0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Greg DeVries, pastor at the Wells Scottsboro, and I'm grateful that you've decided to listen to this podcast. I hope that this word uplifts you and encourages you wherever you are. Stay with me for a few moments after the sermon. I would like to pray with you. I trust you'll be blessed by the word of God. I'd like to start by giving you a a practical scriptural definition of repentance. I want to teach something to you this morning. One, the inward change of mind and will. The inward change of mind and will, your emotions, your intellect, all that change, and you make a decision. You make a decision. Repentance consists of what happens on the inside of you, but is followed up with an expression of that change in appropriate outward action. Repentance is not just on the inside you made a decision, but you have changed your lifestyle. You're no longer choosing what you're going to do. You're choosing what he wants to do. You. To turn from sin to God with a feeling of regret or contrition through the changing of one's mind. Who needs repentance? Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. You know, I had to think about that for a moment to remind us we don't hear much of that kind of teaching anymore, but we're the sheep of his pasture. We're the people of his hand. We're, we're God's people, but he makes many references about us being like sheep. And the reality is Jesus is a shepherd, and a shepherd is meant to lead you into greener pastures and stiller waters. Tonight, I lead you into a time of refreshing. This morning, I lead you into what sets up that refreshing. Repentance sets up your refreshing. And a shepherd says, hey, we have to go this way to get there. If you go over into countries where there's many shepherds and a lot of sheep herding and a lot of sheep uh, breeding over there, those shepherds will meet at a crossroads in the middle of a community wanting to go to another field, and all of a sudden, all the four quads of sheep will come together, but the shepherd, by the certain voice or noise noise that he makes, those sheep will get to the other lane. They don't get mixed up and go to another one, because Jesus said, "'My sheep shall know my voice.'" You're in a situation that's all messed up. It wasn't because of him, it was because of us. We weren't hearing or we're not behaving like sheep. I say this to younger ones all the time goats butt. You know, Jesus said he'll separate the sheep from the goats. But, pastor, but honey, but, 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 but. Sheep, come on, somebody, help me out. Obey. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness, but is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance, that all should come to repentance. So it's something to come to. It's it's a point of direction to get to where God has for us and what God has for us. It's a universal problem called sin, universal. All have rebelled, and the remedy for rebellion is repentance. It's repentance. Repentance is simply turning back to God, and choosing his way and not our way. You know, the book of Proverbs is full of wisdom. Maybe if you need wisdom and you need some understanding, you need some knowledge, you need to a, gain a new perspective on something, you read Proverbs, and you'll see the, the uh, perspective. Wisdom is simply seeing things from God's point of view. Proverbs one twenty three says, Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. It's kind of like what Pastor Jerry was just sharing, is that the guy turned. He turned in the tools that he stole. He's reconciling. He's giving back. And then God's spirit pours out grace on him, and he gets his job back. There's good things on your turning point. There's good things, and you're making good decisions when you turn to God through some of my studying and refreshing and not just going back to the series we preached before, but wanting fresh, why, what are you saying right now? I studied under somebody by the name of Derek Prince. He was a minister for 60-some years, a powerful minister. Matter of fact, he was very well known for deliverance ministry. And whether you believe in that today or not, you've read the Bible, and you know the Bible had it. And he literally said this. He said, I'm going to shoot shy and shoot low here. 50% of the counseling sessions I had in all 60 years of my ministry, 50% shooting low, in other words, is probably much higher than that. He said, the problem was, not the problem they brought to me, it's the repentance they didn't do. If they would have repented, their marriages would have been fine. If they would have repented, their finances would have been fine. If they would repent of something. You see, someone who repents from somebody is no longer troubled by what was troubling them. Because now you're in the safe arms of God. And somebody who has fully repented towards God will not struggle with God. If you're struggling with God, whether it's in your emotions, whether it's in your feelings, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in your health, if you're struggling with God, the first need, and the first step to everything throughout Scripture, I'm going to prove this to you is repentance, is turning to God by turning from what is keeping you out of God's will. Repentance is the key. I know it's almost too simple. It's a crazy thing in this simple gospel, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor too. Jesus narrowed it down to two. Love your neighbor, you love yourself. We have overcomplicated it. I think we've over-spiritualized it sometimes. I think we have way too many prophecies and dreams and words and this and that and all these things going on, and I think we've created somewhat of a confusion. You just need to turn to God. Jesus is the answer for the world. Listen to a little bit of Andre Crouch. Pull some of those oldies out and, and listen to those people who by faith found a place that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is your answer. Jesus is my answer, but we become... A dependent culture. We're dependent upon this, that, and the other thing. And I don't think I have to make the exhaustive list of what it is. But only this can make me happy. That's my happy place. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of sinners. And he delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of living water, and he will produce fruit in its due season. Blessed means happy. Your happy place is in Jesus. The happiest place is in Jesus. Sometimes we try to unwind in other things, unrealized, not realizing we're just winding ourselves up for the next thing. Jesus is the answer. Turning to Jesus. Turn at my rebuke. Turn at my... His reproof will make you wiser. His rebuke will bring you blessings. Before we can show true faith towards God, we must repent. You say show it. We need to show it. I could have said have it. But faith without works is dead. But we, we need to understand this is simple gospel. This is Romans gospel. This is the this is the the crux of, of the crux of gospel being lived out like you and I are living it without Jesus walking around here. Our faith must have works. Our fa- it must be evident in our faith. I see many people that come to church and struggle in altars, but they belly up at bar counters that's not faith my friends that's not faith personal choice has no place in the gospel depart from your choices and turn to his choices for your life anywhere you go you ought to ask God is this where you want me to be it was said in our worship we don't want to go unless your presence goes amen you may find yourself saying something like, I don't need to repent. I've been a Christian my whole life. I've already asked Jesus into my life. I didn't say anything about confession. I'm talking about repentance. You may say, I don't see anything wrong with what I'm doing. That's the problem. We all have blind spots. You may say, I've already done this and I haven't done that, so therefore I'm good. I'm good. Oh, I'm good. We all have blind spots. Those would be places that we can't see without the assistance of somebody else or something else. Kind of like a mirror. Most likely, by the looks of it, that you took at least one check in front of a mirror this morning. Some of you, maybe not. (laughs) But the reality is we use a mirror. Why do we use a mirror? To see what we can't see. I cannot see my lips right now. I can't see my ears right now. I can't see. Thank God he knows the hair on every hair on my head. But I can't see if there's a nose hair sticking out right now. Thank goodness for you and for me, for us and for we, we have mirrors. There's another mirror that people don't use enough. It's called the scriptures. Let the scripture be a mirror. If you are who he says you are, that he can speak into you what he needs to say to you. And even though it may wound you, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus said, I no longer call you a servant. You can busybody around the church as much as you want, and you should be busy in the church. You should wherever you work or wherever you serve. He said, but I want to call you my friend. I want to call you my friend. How many of y'all have a friend or two like that that won't hold back? They're not taking punches, but they're reaching into delicate places in your life. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to help you to be like him. So what could be some of the blind spots? Oh, my goodness, they're countless. But here's one, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness could be a blind spot, just because we don't see him anymore, just because we left him and we're not there with him. We don't go to church with him anymore. We don't have to work with him anymore. We think that everything's good. And, and, and some people are lying in their grave right now. And we're still wrestling with our attitudes and our thoughts and our feelings and what they did or didn't do for us. Unforgiveness is a blind spot. Pride. Pride. Had someone speak at the church some years ago, and when they spoke at the church, someone in the church that very discerning said to me through a text, said, so-and-so, such-and-such name, uh, really likes himself. There's one thing about that person, they like themselves. In other words, yeah. what that person couldn't see, that person saw clearly, pride, Right. Look at me, hear me, see me. It's all about me. The third one that I wrote down is deception. The problem with deception is when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. That's a dangerous place to be. So there's the need of somebody else. Even Jesus needed people to hang them on a cross. He might have been able to do the feet. Some people think he could still do another hand, but you have to have a hammer. You have to hold the nail with one hammer. It took people to nail him to the cross. We need repentance. Acts chapter 17, verse 30 through 31. Truly these times of ignorance. I didn't call you ignorant. I did not call you ignorant. Get that off your brain right now. He did. (laughs) Truly, for sure, these times of ignorance, God overlooked. I wonder how many things God has overlooked in our lives. Matter of fact, the scripture says the long suffering of the Lord is salvation. In other words, he's waiting and waiting and waiting He said, I thought you'd be done with this by now. I thought you'd be over this by now. Hurry up. And then it starts coming stronger and stronger. One of my children told me last night, I said, oh, my goodness. And family devotion said, you just read a scripture. I saw that scripture in the strangest place yesterday. Not being verbatim there, but they said, I saw the scripture. I said, God's speaking to you. God's trying to convey something to you. And so he's starting to put it all there together and put it together. Because if you don't get it taken care of here, who knows what's going to happen over here? Listen to me. I'm not talking about you might pull out of the parking lot and the car hits you and you die. I'm not trying to to scare it out of you. The reality is you don't know who you're going to meet. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what's going to be. offered, You don't know the temptation that is coming. Deal with it now because it might take you out in a few minutes. Very important. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. All people everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by the raising him from the dead. There's coming a judgment. that, that, that That is your final moment. He's saying this is your first moment to be ready for that moment. Now, he doesn't leave repentance out in between. Repentance is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It's not something, oh, I've done that. It's not check off the list. It's to make sure you're on the list. It's to make sure that there's still a reservation for you. Have you, have you ever gone to a restaurant and put your name in, and then you saw other people go in? You're like, I, I, we, we got here before them. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what do you do? You go back up to the counter and say, that's <clears throat> I just want, you're next, sir. I I wasn't worried. worried. You just want to make sure you're still on the list. Right? So you go back to the one who put you on the list. You, at times in your life, want to make sure you still have a reservation. You're on the list. And you go back to the captain of hosts. Some of you might know him as a hostess or a host, but he is the host of heaven. And you come back up and you make sure. Okay. You turn back to him. You turn back to him. Uh, You you check in with him. That's what repentance allows you to do. Hopefully, it's ingrained in your mind by now that you're at least considering that you perhaps may possibly, I don't know, kind of, sort of, might need to repent of something. I think God and his sovereignty put us here together this morning. I am sure, beyond doubt, that there are people that should have been, could have been, Uh, He wanted to be here that aren't here. I'm not worried about them right now, but he got us here for some reason, somehow, and especially to the one that it was like going through hell to get here. Everything breaking down, everything going haywire, communication, the outfit didn't fit like it fit last night, whatever, I have girls, I understand outfits change overnight. And all that interference to get here is a very good indication that the enemy most likely and your flesh did not want you here, but you're here. So let's talk about this progression of faith, of repentance, of the importance of repentance and the progression of Christianity. John the Baptist picks up and he comes on the scene. He was prophesied by a few prophets in the Old Testament and one was Isaiah. We already see how Isaiah spoke into this. Isaiah had a keen insight of the the days of Christ and now John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, he shows up and this is what happens in his life. In the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ in Mark chapter one, verse one. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in the prophets, So it's established. This is how Christianity, the gospel that you and I believe, this is the initiation of it. This is the introduction of it. But it's already been established in the Old Testament. This wasn't just some new idea. It was a prophetic utterance that would need to take place. Because so many sheep have gone astray. How many? All. All have gone astray. All wander away. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of Man, as it is written in the Prophets... Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Notice in the the introductory words here. We're thinking he came to prepare us. Yes, he's preparing a way for Jesus. What he has to say prepares a way for Jesus. You and I just said we need Jesus in our life. You and I got excited when we started hearing other people of faith saying, speak it into the darkness. Speak it over your family. When you saw people going on the streets and ministering to those people, you're like, yes, yes, that's what I need. He said, prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Repentance checks you out of sin. Notice something about remission. That's a very touchy situation because many people are suffering and struggling with it, but it's good news. It is good news when they say that cancer is in remission. That does not say it will not come back or I can't show back up, but that is a really good season. And when you and I repent of our sins, we're out of that stuff that is destroying our life. We're out of that stuff that is eating away at our life. We're out of that stuff that is damaging us. We're out of that stuff that is deceiving us, and it's in remission. It's not to say you can't go back to it. But don't you think just because you repented of it one time, you go back to it, you don't have to repent from it again you got to get busy again. you got to get mindful again. You have to get serious again with the issues you're dealing with because the wages of sin, whether you like it or not, is death. That's gospel. That's the Bible. And John the Baptist starts this whole thing off, bringing us from the old covenant into the new covenant, and he's preaching repentance. That's the gospel. There is no gospel in your life without Repentance repentance is good news you can be free you can be liberated from that unforgiveness from that bitterness from that addiction from that dependence whatever it is all you have to do is turn to God so there's this guy by the name of Jesus Christ you go from JB to JC you've got Jesus Christ and what did he preach He initiated the new covenant. He is setting it in order. And now after, in verse 14 of Mark 1, now after John was put in prison, he quit preaching repentance. No. After John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So repentance is the initiation of being able to believe. Now, you may believe because of what people have said and preachers that you've heard, but you're gonna have a situation just like Peter had. That's what people say, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say? You are the Christ, you're the son of the living God. He said, hey, now we can build the church. And if you're wondering and struggling with where do I fit in the church, and and if I don't like the church, many people come to church and then leave the church because they're putting hope in the church. They're putting their expectations in church. They like a better preacher, they like a better this. That next preacher is going to wear out too. That next church isn't going to fit as well. It's about getting into the kingdom of God, it's about turning to God and, and putting your hope in Christ. And becoming one with him. Repent and believe the gospel. And the gospel will come alive to you. So John the Baptist, Jesus preaching repentance. And then in the ascension, Jesus died. He's rose from the dead. He's getting ready to go and spend that time in heaven. He's 40 days here on the earth. And in the ascension, in Luke chapter 24, verse 45 through 47. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scripture. stop. I don't know who you are, but you do. I just don't understand the word when I read it. So what do you do? You go buy another Bible. Don't believe me? Look at the Bible industry. They're like, keep it up. Write them another one. Write them another one. Write them another one. Write them another one. Write Write them another one. Change this word, change that word, all the way to the point now that we're, well, maybe that's Offensive. Maybe we'll change the pronouns, right? Problem is, people didn't repent. They didn't turn to Jesus to open their eyes, to open the scripture to them. Do not go another day thinking, I don't understand the Bible. Turn to Jesus. He is the lamp. He is the light. His word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He will open up the scripture to you and bring you revelation. I know there's people, most likely, statistics would tell me, people in here that have literally said to their spouse or to somebody else, I I just, I have a hard time reading the Bible. I just don't understand it. That is a gift to you. There's something blind in your eyes. There's something hardening your heart. There's something else. It's amazing. It's amazing that that, that you can watch a television show. And somebody could sit next to you and go, I don't get it. That doesn't make any sense. No, oh, real. and you start talking about it and everything. Isn't it amazing what you can comprehend and what you can't comprehend and what you need to comprehend is the word of God. And he's saying, just turn to me. You might have to turn something else off for something else to be turned on in your life. Gone should be the day that you don't understand the Bible. It's a dangerous thing. It can be helpful and become dangerous. But there's a few Bibles out there that are not Bibles. They're paraphrases. Somebody rewrote the scripture in their own perspective. And you're like, oh, I get it. No, this is what you need to understand. If they put it in a way that you start to understand, then you can understand like they understood so don't stay in that paraphrase. Get in the Bible. Right. Right. Where God can speak from you to you. Amen? So he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to offer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, Beginning at Jerusalem. Like I said, it's a universal problem. But the answer is the same for anybody and everybody in every language there. But he said, listen, this is so important. Just like John and I started this thing, you need to keep doing this. Preach the gospel of repentance and remission of sins. How about the first sermon the church ever had? Wouldn't that be cool? I I, I like old things. Uh, I'm getting older, and, and I still like them. But it's really getting dangerous now that I go into antique stores, and I'm like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And then I go, do I? I'm not sure, because I, I can't remember. But I have some Bibles that my mom has passed on to me that were from family members from years, hundreds of years ago. Some of them are in, in, in foreign languages. Norwegian, Scandinavian, things like that. And, and I just love them. I think they're awesome. I think they're beautiful. And I like to hold on to them. And I want us to realize that we need to respect old things also. We need to respect the old path, the old ways, the old truth. We need to understand it. But here's an interesting thing the church is pretty old now. Church is 2,000 years old. How many else, anybody else like to antique? looking for some weekend friends. Okay, good. And you come up on that one old thing, you're like, yo, oh, my goodness, this, and you're looking at, yes, you know, right? How about the first sermon ever preached in the church? First thing John the Baptist said, first thing Jesus said. Peter said the first thing Jesus said he should say. And this is what it says in Acts 2, verse 37, 38. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And I know you've probably read scriptures like that before and you're like, oh my goodness, that would be so cool. We just heard a testimony. Is just testimony. Somebody said, what do we do? What should I do? This is throughout the Bible. That's when you know it's cutting the heart. And a preacher shouldn't just be telling you what not to do. A preacher needs to be telling you what to do. And I'm literally saying, repent. Turn to God. He said, now when they heard this, they were cut to heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, chill out, relax. It's all free. Don't worry about it, man. It's all going to be good. Repeat this after me. Peter said to them, he said, repent. Do what? Repent. Uh, One thing about repent is kind of the thing about Jesus, Jesus said, I'll rise again, although he had never risen before. But that word arise again means to go back to his original place. Repent, re, do again, pent, a high place. Go back to the high place. Go back to the one who created you in his image and be like him and not like them. We spend so, so many people spend so much time trying not to be like everybody else. They become something like everybody else. Crazy, fooled, duped. And, and then they have to go to the next degree. I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. And they get all confused in this stuff. And there there's, comes to a point, many of them meet, there's nowhere else to go but death. And that kind of death does not result in a glorification of God. It's a dangerous place. It's a difficult place. We need to prevent it first in our lives and then their lives. We need to set an example. You can be changed and you can be different than everybody else by being like him. You say, but then I would be like all other Christians. No, 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 the reality is, you'll be like the one he made you to be and you'll be uniquely designed and correctly fitted to people that you'll be the unique you. There might be one other, but they'll be left and you'll be right. And You'll be able to be you. Could you imagine if we took that kind of passion and got to convert it converted into being like Jesus instead of trying to be different from everybody else? Get the same but better results. He said repent, let every one of you be baptized. So before you get baptized, you have to repent. There's, you don't get repent, you don't get baptized and then start repenting. You repent and get baptized. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision that you've made. I don't know if I'm ready to get baptized. Okay, you're not. I'm not going to convince you are. If you don't think so, something hasn't changed. Pastor, you're getting a little hard. Listen, if baptism is not a substitute like Easter is for Resurrection Sunday, let's all get dressed up and go watch Sissy and Bubby get baptized. No, you get baptized for him. As a public profession, I have changed the way I'm going to do life. I'm a believer now. I'm a follower now. I'm a doer of the word of God now. I don't do that stuff. And the reason I don't, I don't have time to do it because I do this stuff. I do the Jesus stuff. It's a conversion. I know some people might get a little little ruffled there, but you need to. I guarantee you when John the Baptist said, you're a brood of vipers. Some people like the easy, greasy, sleazy Christianity. I call it sloppy agape. I'm not trying to be hard. This is just needed. Repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit. That's why we pray over people when they're being water baptized, that the heavens would open the Spirit of God. You, every one of you, if you've been baptized in water, you should be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm just not of that persuasion. I'm not of... No, 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 no. You need to repent. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is his gift. I don't need your gift. What? I asked a guy the other day, I can't remember where I was ministering, and I asked a guy, I said, have you, I got up to him and I was going to pray. I said, have you ever been baptized? He said, no. I said, you know what he said? He said yeah. He said, you want it? He goes, not right now. what? No, I don't want that from you, Lord. It's not even, a, it's not even, you'll get it. it. You shall be. You shall be. You shall receive. You know what that word shall indicates? It's a commandment. Not a commandment like I'm in charge of you, but a commandment says this is issued forth, a decree. You shall be baptized in the spirit of God. And so we go through the progression of the church. They're preaching it. And then all the way down, the apostle born out of due time, the apostle Paul, who really starts taking this stuff abroad. This is his ministry in Acts 20, 21. Testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, every nation, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, watch this. So your repentance leads to your faith. Now, what he said was repentance toward God. He did not say repentance from something. When you're still talking about that something, you're walking backwards towards God and you're making direction towards that and you're more aware of that than you are who you're turning into. You should listen to me. If you really repented, you really became a Christian, you should be becoming more like Christ. You should look more like him, act more like him, have more of him, be more of him. That's the way it should be. For every single one of us. Hey, listen, grow out of, grow me out of a job. I'm fine with that. Become a Christian where you don't need my teaching anymore. I want you to grow in Christ. Go pastor a church. Go lead a nation. Go open up an orphanage. Go minister and heal the sick. I'm not here to compete with you whatsoever. I'm here to exhort you into whatsoever God has called you to be. So we should be changing, but not repenting from something, repenting to someone. Revelation, this, this repentance, listen to me. Uh, let me just ask you this question. Here, this might help you. Um, how many of y'all are not yet living in the book of Revelation? Y- y- there's things to come. Yeah, right, right. I think we're in those days, but those days haven't been fulfilled. So then let me ask you this. How many of y'all feel like you're living in the days of Revelation? Well, repentance is still being preached. And you know what's being preached to? Church. The church. I don't need it. I done did it. I've already. No, 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 no. You don't want to take repentance out of your pathway. As soon as you stop turning to God, returning to God, looking to God, you're you're in need of repentance. Watch what he says. Revelation chapter three, verse three. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come. You know, I've found in my own life that I don't sin daily like I used to. Used to, that's all I did was sin. That's all I did. My whole life was in sin because I didn't know Jesus. Right? Everything I did, every conversation I had, every meal aid, everything, everything was in sin. Because I was a sinner. Don't be surprised. Sinners sin. That's what they do. Don't let them shock you. I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they said that. No, the sinners sin. That's what they do. But the reality is, is that I don't sin, per se, daily or weekly anymore. I seem to sin maybe hourly or minutely. I'll be having a good day and then all of a sudden just this one little thing happens. I think this, I say this, I don't, I reject, I deny, I, I don't obey and I'm like oh my, but you know what the crazy thing is? It bothers me more now when I do that than when I did a whole day. Why? Because I've grown more to like him, to be like him, and to love him. It it troubles me more that I've offended him, that I've grieved him. And here's the other thing. It's kind of like him saying, I expect more out of you. I really do. Yeah, but you just don't know what I'm going through. (laughs) Come here. Pick up the cross. Let me show you a few things. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Gretchen and I were talking this morning. Both of us with tears in our eyes, going over a conversation. She spoke at a women's retreat this past weekend and talking about when uh, when the guy came to David and said, hey, I killed this guy. He said, why did you kill him? I'm going to put you to death too. Why do we try to kill the things God's using to kill us? And we just try to put it to the side and shove it to the side. Repentance helps you in your self-denial. He's telling you that's what you need to do. You need to turn out of you and turn into me. Are you with me? So those moments are like shutdowns. And it's really weird that all the sin I would do in a day, one, one time with the Lord would be like, oh, it's all over. But now the little sin that I do in comparison to what I used to do it's like it bothers me almost as much as like a 24-hour period, you know, or until the sun rises again. Because that's called godly sorrow. Listen to me. Godly sorrow, listen. Godly sorrow leads a person to repentance. Well, oh, I know, but you've already repented. So have I. Could not tell you how many times I've repented. Because all of us like sheep. Get out of the flock get out of the way and we get out of the path he's just saying repent repentance is the doorway back into my acceptance back into my uh, uh, approval back into my blessing back into my favor back into your promises back into your future back into your destiny come back to me is what he's saying so i can make you who i called you to be so all the way in the book of revelation he's talking about he's talking about repentance so I've got a funny feeling as we sit here on April 20, whatever it is, 3rd, April 23rd, 2023. It's the golden year for April 23, I guess, whatever they call those things. He still preaches repentance. And you shall need it. I don't care if you step that much out or that much out or this much out. Return to God. It's so important. Listen to what he says. Therefore, if you will not watch... I will come to you as a thief and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. You have a few names even in Sardis who have been defiled their garments. Excuse me. Who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot his out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. Here Jesus puts it plainly, plainly. We are to hold to the teachings of Jesus the Lord and repent. It's crucial because Christ can come at any time for us. It's a call to obedience, to follow God's directions, for living, to honor God above all else. Let me say this to you. Without repentance, you cannot experience true faith. A person who has truly repented does not struggle with God. It is not... Just a decision in your mind is a life-changing decision with an outward expression. There's a few people that John the Baptist was uh, preaching repentance to. You can join me, Pastor Joel. He's preaching this message of repentance, and he said, who warned you? Brute He vipers. He said, he said you, should, you should be bearing fruit that is worthy of repentance. You know, and I stopped and I thought about that. Bearing fruit, it's a life cycle. It's a life cycle. It's not just a one and done. You'd be so ticked off if you bought an orange tree and you got oranges the first year and no oranges afterwards. You'd be out there hacking that thing. You'd be like, it's terrible. I would. Cutting that thing down, digging it up, pulling the roots out, saying, sorry, low down, worthless orange tree. right? Supposed to produce fruit every year. New fruit, fresh fruit. Matter of fact, more fruit. To increase. Sometimes you got to prune it back a little bit. He said, you need to be bearing fruit worth of repentance. So without repentance, your fruit isn't worth anything. Did you hear me? Without repentance, if you're doing life out of your own will, your own strength, your own ability, your own joys, your own pleasures, you're not doing it for God, your fruit amounts to nothing. Then he said to the multitudes who came out, he said, You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I've been in church my whole life. I confess Jesus. I follow. I went to the altar, I'll tell you. He said, don't say that stuff. He said, not right now. Not, it's not a good time, guys. Not a good time. You're fighting with it. You're letting your religion be your relationship. He said, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. Let me say something to those who aren't worshiping, to those who don't praise him. Let me say something to those who judge the others that do. You, you need to know this and understand. You're in a dangerous place. He said, don't, don't, don't wait and, and let those rocks cry out. You're meant to praise me. You and I are created to worship him, to praise him. And then there's one that judged David for his praise. And mocked him and made fun of him and cut him down. And she became fruitless. No children. Barren, struck by God, could not have children. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What would you say? In other words, he said, I've got the ax right now to, to, to finish this thing. One guy ran out to Jesus one time and said, let me dig around that fig tree. Whoa, 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 give me one more year. Let me dig around and get down into the root system. Let me get down into the heart. I saw something the other day about the heart and the inside of it. And it looks like there's a lot of roots inside of there. Friends, we need to be rooted in Christ. We need to be rooted inside, like your vein system." Inside of your lungs, there's evidence of roots inside of you. You start cutting those roots off, messing with those roots, you're gonna dry up and wither. He said, I don't wanna cut you off. I want you to grow, I want you to produce. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire. You have to ask yourself, what kind of fruit am I producing? What kind of fruit is coming out of me? You know the old illustration? When you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, toothpaste comes out. When they squeeze you, what comes out? Doubt, anger, frustration, fear, hatred, jealousy, insecurity. I've seen people get under pressure and they just go into a depression. Joy should come out of us, the strength of the Lord. Love should come out of us. Peace should come out of us. Long-suffering should come out of us. I just can't put up with this anymore. How long y'all been together? A month? It's like Derek said, most things that we're fighting and struggling with could be answered simply through repentance. So the people asked him. Remember, it's not just an internal. It's an outward expression. Are you guys with me? Listen to this. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? What shall we do? If it's not about doing, why did so many people ask, what should we do? I don't know who the preacher started off with and saying, it's not about what you do and what you don't do. That's not true. It is about what you do and what you don't do. Faith without works is dead. Dead trees don't produce fruit. He's looking for a harvest. So the people asked him, what should we do? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Give from what you have to those who don't have. If you have two jackets, two scarves, two pairs of shoes, and somebody doesn't have one, go find that person and give them one. But then I would only have one. But if you give, you reap. Then you'll have more to give. It's like those people going out and feeding the fish. They gave of the food they had, of the time they had, to people who had no food. Do likewise. So it's not just, yes, I'm a believer, but now I'm a doer of what I believe. The second one was a tax collector. Also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher. What shall we do? And he said, collect no more than what is appointed for you. What does that mean? Be honest. Don't take advantage of people. Be honest and don't try to pull one over. Don't try to hoodwink them. Don't try to cheat them. Don't try to benefit yourself out of somebody else's cost. I mean, I wish a few other people would have known that when it came to doing business with you. So don't take advantage of others. Verse 14, likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What should we do? So they're all different walks of life. And I'm sure that you have interests, aspects of your life, and vocational aspects of your life, and relational aspects of your life. You need to ask, What, what should I do with my life now? If I'm going to repent and turn my life fully, all in my heart, all in my soul, all in my life, I'm going to give it all to you. If I'm going to, what should I do? What should I do? The soldier said, what shall we do? So he said to them, do not imitate anybody or falsely accuse them and be content with your wages. Pretty much speaks for itself. Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. If you ever met that person that seems to have a, some sign of authority in their life and they, they use that authority and, and, and they try to belittle you with that authority... That's because they were belittled somewhere in their life. Treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Again, don't take advantage of people. Don't harm people. Don't don't invoke fear in people's lives. Don't falsely accuse somebody. How many times have you been sitting in traffic in a store somewhere in your life or somewhere in in the marketplace, in a recreational event somewhere, and, and you never had a conversation with a person, but you have them all figured out? You know Jesus is king of kings? <laughs> I'm just a king at that. I'm not the king of kings but that. I find myself, and I'm like, wait, Craig, back up. You don't have any basis to come to that conclusion. You're falsely accusing them of being somebody you don't know if they're that person. It's kind of like the guy that was riding in the subway, New York City, it's Monday morning. Has to go to work, busy, reading his newspaper, lost in the newspaper, and lo and behold, there's three little children over there that got on with him. And those little children get in a ruckus and they get in an argument, they're playing around, goofing around, and, and everybody's gonna get disturbed by it. And this guy is lost in his newspaper. And finally, somebody said, Hey, sir, we're all trying to get ready to go to work here. Do you mind taking care of your children? He goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. We just buried their mother this weekend. I'm so sorry, I got lost paradigm shift we don't know what somebody else is going through we have no idea and I know you may not voice it I know you may not say it but then sometimes we do we start to slander people we we start to grade people with our tongue we're really degrading them he said don't do that anymore that's that's not the lifestyle of a good tree He goes on, he says, and be content with your wages. (laughs) Hmm. Let that one soak in for a second. Probably some of the biggest problem in American culture today is consumerism. You, me, and everybody else. Probably is. I know, I, I, I'm not trying, I'm, I'm not. I can feel it going, but yeah, but, yeah, but. Remember the goats and the sheep. This is not Greg to you. This is not us. But could you imagine if everybody's content with the wages? Probably wouldn't take two hours to go to the Wendy's drive through I'm not going to work, I'm not going to work, am not going to work. Got to have more, got to have more. Having more doesn't make you more. Makes you more busy. Makes you more responsible. Makes you more distracted. Not against blessings whatsoever. Not against rewards whatsoever. I'm just sharing the scripture. We don't live in a culture that is content with their wages. Not content at all. It's a change of lifestyle, change of heart, change of attitude. My dad used to always tell me, son, just remember, live within your means. So this illustration of Scripture reflects 2 Corinthians 7, 9. When you repent, you get cleared of things. You have a fresh zeal. Your conscience is clear. Your mind is clear. You're not held or bound by these things. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet with me this morning. My goal is not to get you to repent this morning. My purpose is to get you mindful of the importance of repentance. Repentance. Your next, whatever that may be, will only be able to be experienced through repentance of something. You can't take on anything else in your life right now without letting go of something else. Your repentance makes more room for Jesus. Guys, look at me. Real Christianity is not a church that you like. It's not a style of church that you like. It's repentance and following Jesus. Paul said, I'm not coming to you with persuasive and eloquent words, but to preach to you that I only know Jesus and him crucified. Jesus is your answer right now. Lord, we ask as we come under the mighty hand, the gracious Father that you are, that Holy Spirit would hear the hearts of people, the prayers of saints, maybe a sinner or two that needs to come to you. Maybe those that are bound up and raveled up and entwined with a trouble. A difficult situation, if they would just turn to you, if they would just return themselves to you, it activates your favor and your blessing in their life. I'm gonna give you the opportunity this morning. I'm gonna invite you to come spend a moment or two in the altar and pray specifically with you. That's open. I'm gonna speak a blessing over you and release you at your own free will. As people come to choose to do business with God, it's a holy thing, it's a righteous thing. But if you have an area of your life that you need to return to Him, you need to surrender to Him, I invite you to come to Him. I trust that you are encouraged and inspired by the Word of God today. Once again, I want to say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's very important that after you receive the Word of God to make sure it gets sealed in your heart. I'd like to do that with you. I'd like to pray with you that we can tuck it away in our hearts and that we let the Word of God have free course, move swiftly in us, and it would glorify God. You know, the Word of God is a seed. You can expect results out of it. You can expect fruit out of it. You can expect something to be produced. Again, I'm so thankful that you joined us. Now allow me just a moment to pray with you. Father God, we come to you in the wonderful name name of Jesus the word of God himself. And I thank you for the word that has been heard. I thank you for the word that has been received. And Lord, now I ask that it gets covered up and it gets protected and locked and lodged in our hearts, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would water it. I pray that you would nurture it, that you would bring the light and revelation that it needs. And I pray that it produce good fruit in each and every heart that has received it today. I ask this in Jesus' name. I do this at the end of every service at the church. I want to do it with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And may the Lord find great delight in you. And may you find great joy in Him. May the Lord provide for you. May the Lord protect you. And may the Lord give you peace, peace. God bless you. Thanks for joining us.